Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Joy is one of the finest things in life. Joy from receiving a gift, joy from receiving praise, joy from amusements. Joy can come from so many different things. Can we ever have too much joy? It certainly doesn't seem so. Perhaps then a natural question would be, how do I get some more joy? That, in fact, is one of the big questions in life. If we could put joy in a bottle and sell it for a nickel, we would soon be very wealthy. Lots of books, lots of blogs, lots of YouTube videos promise joy. You always have to do your part. You have to follow the rules. You have to buy their product. But then you'll be happy. And you know what? This stuff can work somewhat. Some stuff can really give you a thrill. Some of the better stuff might be very wise and beneficial rules for living well. Often living well is not as thrilling or as easy as some of the other stuff, but it's also more stable and reliable too. There are lots of things that can give joy or might give joy, but you also know that this stuff isn't long-lasting or perfectly fulfilling. The best drugs, even, with the least side effects, won't go on being effective. Illegal drug use can be very thrilling and very satisfying, but it carries with it some dreadful consequences. Even a life that is lived according to the rules is not without its drawbacks. The most stable, well-lived lives can get some horrible monkey wrenches thrown into them so that joy can be lost. Poof, it's gone. This can be so much so that joy can be thought of as a thing of the past, never to come back. And then it seems like the question, how do I get some more joy, is vain because it appears impossible. But that question, how do I get some more joy, isn't a very good question, actually, for us creatures to ask. You're a creature. You're created. You're not God. You do not create yourself. Whatever you have or don't have is because that's what God has given you. But what if you don't like what God has given you? That's very common, actually. You might not like your body. You might not like your spouse. You might not like your standard of living. Some advice givers might then say, well, fix it. Don't just sit there. Get yourself some joy. And so our joy gets tied up with what we want to accomplish for ourselves. More money equals joy. Hotter body equals joy. Better amusements equals joy. 
And insofar as we're able to attain such things, we do experience some kind of positive emotion. It's very easy, or it's very, it's very pleasant to be fulfilling your goals and be on the way up. And wouldn't it be nice if we could always be on the way up? However, on the other hand, when we don't meet those goals, it doesn't make us happy at all. So again, that question, how do I get some more joy, isn't a very good question for us creatures to ask. We are not gods, or at least we're not very good gods. We're creatures. We're much closer to being like the birds of the air and the flowers of the field than we are to being like God. And how do the birds live? Well, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Their heavenly Father feeds them. One day they find a meal in one place, and another day they find a meal some other place. Or consider the grass. It grows up supple and green. It flowers and is beautiful. It is beautiful. Then it dries up and withers. It has its day, and then its day is over. And no amount of wishing or planning is able to make the dried up and withered plant like the plant that's in bloom. For a plant to wish that it was something other than what it actually is at that moment is ridiculous. It doesn't have that power. The creature is created how the creator wants the creature does not create itself. The creature is totally dependent upon what the creator does. But this is a little too harsh of a picture of God for us as Christians. We Christians do not have a creator that operates as though by chance or fate or whim. We do not just resign ourselves to spinning the wheel of fortune and hoping it lands somewhere nice. Our God speaks to us. Our God even became one of us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, says, aren't you much more valuable than they? And indeed you are. You are much more valuable than birds or grass. The Son of God became man for you and died on the cross for you. His love for you is such that even just for you, even if you were just the only human being, he would still come and die for you. And for what purpose does Jesus do what he does? It is so that we may have life and that we may have it to the full, as he says, and that sounds like joy to me. Maybe another way of saying all this may be similar to what we heard last week. Last week in Ephesians 2, Paul says, Jesus himself is your peace. That profound statement. Jesus himself is your peace. I think we could say the same thing this week about joy. Jesus himself is your joy. And we can actually reverse that statement, too. 
You yourself are his joy. And I'm not just making that up either. At the end of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul speaks about the relationship between Christ and us, his church, as being like the relationship between a husband and wife. Paul says that the two becoming one flesh is about Christ and his church. We are his joy, and he is our joy. We are one. We are members of his body. One flesh. This is not something sad. This is joy. And let us not forget that whatever peace or joy we now have in our believing is but the first taste of that which is to come. Now we only know these things by faith. We might have any number of pictures in our head about what awaits us in heaven. The actual experiencing of Jesus, our peace, and Jesus, our joy, will be beyond our understanding and imagining. So, again, there's that question, how do I get some more joy? Jesus himself is your joy. You have been given God's own Son, He is one flesh with you. This joy is stable and good. It's life-giving and never-ending. God has given you, Jesus, your joy. But what if we were to say, I don't want that joy? And contrary to what you might think, that is not at all uncommon. I don't want that joy. How else can you explain unfaithfulness? Why do people quit wanting to receive the Lord's Supper? Why do people quit hearing Jesus' word? Why do they quit praying? Why do they quit praising and thanking? They don't want to. That's why. They don't want that joy. They want some other joy, no doubt. That joy might be a hotter body, might be success, might be a better job, might be amusements, it might be some stupor from one addiction or another to keep you comfortably numb. There's lots of joys out there. There are high and prestigious ways to get yourself some more joy, and there are some low and dirty and looked down upon ways that can get you some joy. Pick your poison. No matter which path is taken, no matter how pleasurable that might be, no life lived wisely or lived poorly can get to true joy. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one is getting to true joy. No one is getting to the Father except through Jesus. All other gods, all other potential sources for blessing yourself can never give you the real stuff. Joy is being with the Father through Jesus. Because our joy is Jesus, we may be different than others. It enables us us to do that. Having our joy waiting for us means that 
in this time, we can forego pleasure. We can be patient when it comes to joy. We do not need to be living our best life now. We do not need to be having all of our joy all the time. We can be satisfied with our present life being less than perfect. We can be satisfied with our present life even being quite awful or a waste or whatever bad or mean things somebody might say. Jesus himself is our joy. We are one with him, and if we're one with him, we won't be left behind. But how things usually go, though, is not nearly so bleak for our lives as Christians. Our kind and merciful God fills us with many good things. He gives us many more good things than we realize. He certainly gives us many more good things than we deserve. And all this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in us. But there's no guarantee, to say the least, that we will have unmitigated joy all the days of our life. In fact, there's pretty much a guarantee the other way. You won't have unmitigated joy. How could you? You aren't home yet. You're but a stranger here. Heaven is your home. So quit believing that you can make a heaven out of this earth if only you are clever enough or work hard enough. Every attempt to make a heaven out of this earth reeks of chemicals and artificiality. Nevertheless, despite the reek, many fall for the deception. They're led to believe that this life is where it's at, and so they sell their soul for it. May you not be so fooled. Jesus himself is your joy, and you yourself are his joy. So that you may be together is why Jesus suffered and died. And this means, then, that you too can do some suffering and sacrificing. You can do what is good. Good instead of only maximizing your own pleasures. Your joy is not in the fleeting pleasures or recognitions or ambitions of this life. Your life is eternal life. And doing what is pleasing to Jesus is good enough justification for living the way that you should live. And then when the time is right, when it is God's will to bring you home, then your joy will be full. And then no one will take your joy away from you. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>